Good morning. Let's uh, read scripture together. Let's stand uh, for that. It's on page uh, four in your uh, worship folder. And this is Psalm 77 is where we're going to be this morning. As God teaches us about pain and he teaches us about himself and about what he does for us as we suffer and look to him. This is God's word. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. This morning we're going to talk about feelings. So you guys are squirming. Laser go, finally some guys are going to talk about feelings. This is really good. But we struggle with that, whether it's because we're a guy or whether actually there's maybe we feel things so deeply and we feel so deeply hurt and so deeply lost that there are no words A friend of mine has uh, lived with MS for 30 years, and now basically all he can move is kind of his right hand to drive his wheelchair and to do a few clicks of the mouse to send out goofy emails and jokes to people uh, every day. But but my friend was so excited because he could no longer type or write that there was this wonderful new program that came out called Dragon Natural Speaking. And so he was going to write one of these funny emails to his friend, uh, a couple, Jeff and Sonia, And so as he fired up Dragon Speak with one click of his mouse, he spoke into the microphone that was on his headset. And what he said, Dear Jeff and Sonia, I hope you are doing well. I hope you are enjoying God's blessings. And what came out is, Dear Little Chickens. He figured, this is great technology. Right out of the box, this should turn what I'm saying into wonderful, meaningful messages to my friends. But then as he looked at the box closer, as he threw it in the trash. It says, this requires many hours of training. So it recognizes your voice and recognizes your speech patterns. And so what you are speaking into the microphone turns into intelligible uh, speech on the page. 
Well, a lot of us, when we're struggling with our emotions, we're struggling with doubts, uh, these songs that we sang this morning were just perfect about how do we live in the in-between when some days the most eloquent thing we can say is, ah, or nothing at all, and just cry. And yet, we are told that our faith should always be active and our faith should always be strong. But sometimes that doesn't feel quite right. That doesn't feel quite authentic. And a lot of Christians struggle with this because the view of suffering uh, usually in the church is, well, you must have done something wrong. You must, as Michael's reminded us often, is, oh, maybe I missed too many quiet times, and so God's letting me be miserable. Or we feel like Christians, to be a good example to the world, should be always happy. But to me, that sort of feels like tour guide Barbie in Toy Story 2, saying, over here we have the valley of the shadow of death. Over here we have depression. How can I serve you today? It doesn't quite do justice to what we're feeling or what, what our needs are, what our cries out to God. And so we need better guides into our emotions and into emotions that also reach out in faith to God. And we have a great resource in the Psalms, God's hymn book. And you know what? They're not toe tappers. Many of them are dark. Many of them are full of struggle and full of tears. Why is that? Because our life is full of struggle and full of tears. We've been granted no exemption from suffering because we belong to God. And maybe this morning you're feeling like, can I get a refund? I thought following God meant my life got, got better. And this doesn't feel, I wouldn't call this better except in some crazy uh, psycho way. And so Psalm 77, I think, gives us a great uh, picture of what it means to cry out and then what it means to hold on to our faith and what it means to know God, not after we suffer, but while we suffer. And we're going to end by looking at Jesus and how he gets in it uh, with us. So the first thing I want us to look about is my first point is if we focus on location, we lose our direction. If we're going to do justice to how we're feeling and, and about what's going on in our hearts, we have to be honest. He says, I cry aloud. And the Hebrew for that is cry. Crying, maybe yelling, just lifting up our voices, lifting, speaking in stumbling words what it feels like to feel abandoned by God and to feel lost in the world because it hurts so bad to be alive. Verse 2, in the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted when I remember God. What does it say? It gets better. No. It says when I remember God, it actually gets worse because I know he's the rescuer. I know he's the healer. I know he has all power and he's not fixing it right now. And so I feel even more in pain and more lost. But what he's, what uh, the psalmist um, Asaph is saying is my location is, my zip code is, I live in suffering. But you see him doing something very interesting. What is he doing with his arms? We're, when we're in suffering, what do we do? Fetal position, hug ourselves and rock ourselves to sleep. But this psalmist is doing something really weird with his arms. What is he doing? I cry to God. He's not just crying to the wall. He's not crying to his pillow. He's crying to a person, 
a person who knows him, a person who has made him, a person who loves him, and his cry has a direction. He's not crying to the universe. He's crying to the personal God who loves him and who has made promises to him. And what does he do with his hands? He's stretching. I love how Wade ended his sermon last week with having us stand on tippy toes, stretching our arms that we might catch the rays of God's sunrise. When the night is over and the sun rises, we are free. And that is what the psalmist is doing. He's reaching for God that God would reach him and pull him up. But what does it say? He says, I do this without wearying. You're like, but my arms get tired. (laughs) The problem with faith is it's not just an event that you can write in the front of your Bible. I believed God on this date. I became a Christian. Hebrews is, is great for this. Hebrews 11 says, let us endure. Let us press on. It's about a race. And so our believing is not just a point in time where we go, I have a spiritual birthday. That's when I gave it to God. My life got better. No, this is a walk with a person, a personal God. Unfortunately, through the junk and through the stuff. So when we cry aloud, we're we're doing justice to our location. God, I am in deep trouble. I am in deep sorrow. But we cannot lose our direction. As we say, God, I know you're there. I can't feel you, I can't see you, but I reach for you. Would you rescue me? And even in his doubts, even in his struggle, what does he say? He will hear me. Sometime, in some way, sometime down the road, God is going to hear me and answer me. And until then, I'm going to reach for him. And that's hard to do. And that's the second point, is it feels a lot like sitting in the waiting room at the doctor. How many of you love going to the doctor? You're sick if you do. And, uh, <clears throat> and Gary goes to a hospital every day, but it's not for fun. Um, the waiting room, what do you do in the waiting room? Well, you wait. You sit. And if you know you're going to sit for a long time, you bring some reading material. And we see that's what the, the writer in this psalm is doing. Verses 4 through 6 talks about the waiting. He says, my eyes are open. I have insomnia. I can't sleep. My thoughts are keeping me awake. My body's keeping me awake. My mind is racing, and his mind is racing. Back along the years, verses 5 and 6. I'm going to think back. What are we thinking about when we're suffering? Man, I can't remember when I started to feel this bad. It seems like. Forever, I've been waiting for God to rescue me and to make this better. And so you start doing some reading. You read your thoughts and you read uh, your memories to see, man, where, where, where did I go wrong? When did this get so bad? And then he asks a series of questions in verses 7 to 9. If you're going to the doctor, you know you have like one shot to talk about all your aches and pains. So what do you do? You make a list because you don't want to forget. Like, well, I have this mole over here, and my knee hurts, and i got a scratchy throat. Do you have a pill for that? You know, uh, We're making a list of our aches and pains and, and our problems, and here is kind of di- diagnostically the, the sounds that his heart is making, those bumps and creaks and rattles like your engine makes. And so in one sense, while he is immobilized by his pain, it, in one sense, it's like going to the mechanic. He puts it up on the rack 
and takes a look at it. While we're immobilizing our pain, we can use this time while we wait for God to put us up on the rack and start looking under the hood and testing all the systems. And, and this is what he's doing with his, his questions. Will the Lord keep saying no to me, spurn forever? Will he never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Has he quit being this love, God of love and now he's a God of absence and, and, uh, and harshness? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Is he angry at me? Is there some sin that I've done that has gotten me into this pickle and this depression without God's help? So two things that we need to read in the waiting room. The first thing is, and the psalmist in Psalm 139 says it this way, Search me, O God, and know my heart. When we're in pain and even on a good day, we have a hard time knowing what drives us. We know what we want pretty well, but we don't know why we want what we want. And we don't know why we do some of the crazy, dumb things over and over again. And so the psalmist brings his heart to God and say, God, would you diagnose my problem? All I know is it hurts and it doesn't work. Would you go deeper than that? Would you show me what is wrong? And this is what he says. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Here's a scary thing. My same friend that used the dragon speak, he says, your mind is like a dark alley on the wrong side of town. Don't go there alone. So if we go into our thoughts alone, if we go into our thoughts and just think about what we're thinking about, what do we feel? We feel even more lost. And so he even brings those things to God and say, God, search those out. Show me where these are dark thoughts, where these are wrong paths. And that's what he says next. And see if there be any grievous way in me. Show me if there's anything wrong. I'm not suffering automatically because I've sinned. I suffer because this whole world is broken by sin. And everything is broken and everything is hard in a world that is groaning, as we've talked about uh, many times, awaiting when Jesus makes all things right. So when we come to the God who can make all things right, we also are ready to be told, or we should be ready to be told, that we're part of the problem. So our suffering is not automatically because of some sin in our life, but it's worth asking God while we're immobilized to say, God, look under the hood. Show me what's wrong. But the second thing we need to read that isn't quite so depressing is we need to read his book, his story. And we need to understand what the Bible is. It's not an encyclopedia of moral teachings and helpful hints. Because you know what? The Bible is the worst encyclopedia ever written. You know why? It's not organized like an encyclopedia. It's not topical. It's not alphabetical. You know how it's organized? It's a story of God walking with his people and redeeming them out of all of their sins and out of all of their troubles, preparing them for Jesus to get into their troubles and to take their sin and to make everything new. My favorite verse in the Bible is out of Jesus' mouth in Revelation. Behold... Another way we could say it is, watch out, I am making all things new. And so when we're in the middle of our junk, and it feels like we've lived there forever, and we're we're more depressed the more we think about it, we need to read his story. And that's what the psalmist does. Look what he says. I will appeal to this, verse 10, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. To put it in Facebook language, 
to the psalmist, God doesn't look like he's doing any status updates. It says, 98 hours ago, he did his last status update. And so he's saying, God, I need something fresh from you. I need some fresh words. I need some fresh encouragement. You don't post anymore. And so what does he do? He goes back into the archives, into history, to see when was God doing stuff? When was God rescuing his people? That can give me hope that God will rescue in the future. And so he retells the story to his own heart. And in fact, some of you, when you're depressed, this is a great thing to do is listen to God's word. Maybe you can't even read because you're crying or uh, you lost your glasses. You, online, you can listen to the Bible online, esv.org. You can click on a passage. It'll play it for you out loud. You can download it as an MP3. You can have it sent to you as an RSS uh, feed, uh, daily uh, passage of the day. All kinds of things to get God's story into your mind because all you can see in your suffering is your story and you fear that it's having a terrible ending. And so he goes back through God's story and he says, man, there's no God like our God. No other God works wonders. You redeemed your people. And that's the third thing I want us to look at. And I stole this from Bob Marley. It's got the song, Redemption Songs, Songs of Freedom. It's all I've ever had. Because when we belong to God, everything about our lives is a redemption song. But you know what? Parts of it are in a minor key. You say, I like the jamming parts of the song. I don't like this minor key stuff. But God, in his grace, is weaving this symphony movement in our lives where there are dark passages there's lots of double bass, uh, big kettle drums. Because you hear this, it says, there was thunder, there was whirlwind, there was lightning, the earth trembled and shook. When God gets active, watch out. The world literally moves and rocks on its axis when God acts on behalf of his people. So we're like, no, I wanted you to speak in that little nice voice to me and comfort my heart. But get ready for what God is doing because God does things In a great way, he does things even in a big way so that we would know that he is real and that we have not been forgotten. But look at verses 16 to 20. For the Israelites, their greatest redemption song was the song of, we're getting out of Egypt, whatever that tune was. We're getting out of Egypt was God's great deliverance from them. They were under a nasty, oppressive ruler named Pharaoh. And God delivered them through a guy that had a speech uh, impediment, who was also a murderer, who was a part-time shepherd, and now a full-time leader of God's people. He rescued them uh, through Moses out of uh, Egypt. And so it tells the story of God led them through the waters. As the Egyptians drowned, God's people walked on dry land and went into the promised land, all by God's great power. That's why he says in verse 19, your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. But here's the trick. Yet your footprints were unseen. In our sorrow, and also just because we are human, we cannot always see what God is doing. But we have to know that he is walking his people into deliverance, into 
a great future where everything is right, when there is no more tears. But the trick is we can't see his footprints. The things that we call coincidence, the things that insurance companies call acts of God, all these things, God is working literally molecules and universes and weather patterns to bring redemption to his people. He's got all these things at his disposal to bring this about to a wonderful and glorious conclusion. Yet, we can't see him. And that's why it stinks to live by faith. I just want to see it. Can you write on my wall? It's going to be okay. And then write the date when when I'm going to feel better. And you know what God does? He doesn't do it. What kind of God is he? Well, two things to build our faith as we uh, close this morning. Flip over to Psalm 18. This is a wonderful counterpoint to God's seemingly, like someone uh, Facebooked me the other day and said, does anybody have a verse to help me when I feel like God has gone on a coffee break? And I should have told her uh, this psalm in Psalm 77. I didn't think of it at the time. But listen, just a few uh, notes from this song in Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. You need to borrow his strength while you're suffering and while you're walking by faith. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my rescuer. Down in verse 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. And then there's this wonderful stretch of all kinds of things that God does in his creation. Think about it this way. A mom is standing on her front porch, and she's gone to pick up the mail, and she has left her kid in the stroller, but in her rush, she didn't put the brakes on the stroller. And there's a little hill on their, on their driveway, and the kid starts rolling into the street. And this mom, I mean, she's not in track and field or anything, but this lady, she clears a hedge, she clears uh, bikes in the driveway, and she's clearing fences and, and hedges, and she runs with superhuman strength out into the street and grabs her kid before it gets hit by a car. And you ask the question, how could she do that? She's just this little old lady, this little lady that's quite meek and, and really quiet, and she's tiny. How did she pull that off? For love. And she found strength to rescue her own. And this is almost the picture in this psalm, is that God is smashing mountains and, and ripping apart clouds, and he's ripping apart the earth and, and, and pushing back water so that he can get to his kids and rescue them. That God literally moves heaven and earth to, to rescue us. And it is only a matter of time when he does that. It's not a matter of if he rescues, it's when. Some of us will struggle most of our lives with maybe depression, maybe with, with dark thoughts that we have to fight uh, daily. Maybe there's physical ailments and pains that won't leave us until we have new bodies uh, that Jesus remakes when he comes back. But it's not a matter of if he will rescue, it's when. And so we live in the middle of, of this. But here's the good news for us. God moves heaven and earth to come and rescue us. And here's where I want to close with Jesus. That God moves heaven and earth and gets in it with us. Jesus was called Emmanuel, God 
with us. As the psalmist in 77 is crying out, he's, he's basically saying, it says, I will not be comforted. He's not saying that I love being depressed, so don't rescue me yet. I love being defined as that really sad, depressed guy, and so don't mess up. It's working for me. People, chicks feel sorry for me. I get a lot of free coffees and, and people talk to me. I get lots of attention. So this depression thing is really working for me. No, that's not what he's saying, that I refuse to be comforted because I love to be like that song by Garbage. I'm only happy when it rains, right? This isn't about I'm just feeding this depression because I just feel really powerful when I'm all mad and sad and depressed and all that kind of stuff. He's basically saying, I don't want any Band-Aids. I don't want treats from God. I don't want candy. I don't want you to put on a Disney movie for me to kind of distract me. I want you. I want God to rescue me. I want to see you in your glory and your beauty, and I want you to be with me in my pain. And you know what God's biggest answer to this cry is? Jesus. Flip over to Matthew 8 if you have a Bible in the New Testament. We'll close with this story. And we might feel as frustrated as Jesus' disciples. Verse 23 says, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was swamped by the waves. But check this. Jesus was asleep. Where's God when you need him? Asleep in the boat. And we're about to go under. We're about to be swamped by this freak storm that blew up. And they went and welcomed him, saying, Save us, Lord! We're perishing! And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? He asked them a question. He didn't really chew them out. He said, Where's your faith? Why are you afraid? I'm here. Then he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? Where do we find Jesus? In the middle of a boat, in the middle of his disciples, in the middle of a storm. And where are we going to find God? On the other side of our suffering? On the other side of our doubt? On the other side of our depression? Just like the disciples, we will find God as we look to him, as we bring our fears to him, as we bring even our weak faith to grab hold of him. And he says, fear not. And Jesus stands up and rebukes the waves. And what do they do? They worship. So as we close, I want us to think about, if we look only at our location, God, this hurts. And we lose sight of our direction that God is near and we reach for him by faith. Don't lose sight of him by only focusing on your location. But secondly, bring reading material. Read God's story. And there's even some great books, uh, biographies of Christians who struggle with depression. It's in a great series edited by John Piper uh, where it talks about uh, It's called When the Darkness Does Not Lift, and there's a few other uh, books in the series. Basically, these are people who struggle with their their whole lives. Charles Spurgeon, William Cooper, who wrote a lot of the hymns that we like to sing. John Newton was his mentor, his pastor. And you know what John Newton told him? Sing yourself the truth of the gospel. 
And so he made William Cooper write, write songs, and we sing them. Why? And he wrote this wonderful uh, song called Sometimes the Light Surprises the Christian When He Sings. That while we're weeping, while we're crying, while it feels dark and the darkness never ends, guess what? God shines some light. Just a little bit of light gives us a little bit of hope and a little bit of joy. But in that light, we see Jesus, who has gotten into the boat with us. And he is getting wet, and he rebukes what causes us to fear and despair, and he makes it obey. So bring your little faith, bring your big fears, bring your honest woes to God, and he redeems us, as it says in the Psalms, out of all of our troubles. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do not want to be uh, fake Christians who are fake happy, pretending that nothing hurts in this world. Because that would be telling lies. You want us to be deep people of truth. And you want us to be people of growing faith. And so in our sorrows, in our struggles, in our depression, in our feelings of feeling defeated and alone, would we learn to copy the psalmist and hold up our arms to you like a drowning man. It says, all I can do is hold up my hands. I have no strength to continue paddling someone must grab me if I am to live. And so we hold up our hands to you in praise. We hold out our cries to you uh, in faith. That's actually an act of faith for us to cry towards you because we're not uh, going back into ourselves. We're not going back into our own strength, which is obviously quite small. We are reaching you, the God of all power, the God of all glory, the God of all compassion, even when it feels like temporarily Your heart is cold towards us or you've got other things on your mind. We know that you have redemption on your mind at all times and in every instance in our lives. And so we trust you, even though we do the math and it doesn't quite add up. We we leave it in your hands and we ask that you would lift us up and hold us up and allow us, even through our tears, to see Jesus as the one who gets into our sufferings with us and rebukes the waves and rebukes uh, Satan and rebukes death. In fact, he has conquered death and the devil forever. And we're just fighting little cleanup wars with uh, the devil who loves to put us back into fear and, and into despair and say, you're too messed up for God to rescue you. Yet because our sins are on Jesus, uh, He's not punishing us. He is making us more like him and growing our faith. And so we reach out to you, build our faith, show us Jesus, and help us to walk each day uh, forward by you and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.